I want to uh, uh, introduce to you Brian Johnson, who I've had the privilege of serving uh, beside for many years um, as I served uh, as a, on the executive board of the, of the Midwest Conference, and you'll hear more about that through Brian if you don't know what that is. Um, but I was able to serve with him and, um, back when he was the director of church planting, and uh, he was on the conference staff under Tammy Swanson-Drayheim, who was our superintendent, who now is our denominational president. God raised her up uh, for such a time as this, and she's doing an amazing job. If you ask any pastors in all of the covenant, uh, we all concur that, man, this woman is gifted to be our leader uh, for this time. But equally, in the Midwest, we would say the same of Brian. God made it very clear to us that this is the man that God is raising up to lead us now in our conference. He's got wisdom, he's got creativity, he's got pastoral abilities, and I've learned a ton from him over the past number of years serving with him. So let's welcome Brian Johnson. Well, thank you so much, John. Your words are uh, more kind than they than than are deserved. So uh, grateful for you and uh, for this church. Um, really grateful for this congregation and and the leaders, Pastor John, Pastor Lynn, Pastor Jeremy, and the whole team here at Countryside. Uh, you guys are very uh, blessed by the team that God has brought together. Right. Um, and I am uh, just equally grateful for, for the congregation. In fact, um, we were here when I became superintendent. That's such a weird word. Um, but uh, when, when I was called into this role, it was here in this room um, in April. And uh, Countryside did such a fantastic job of uh, hosting this meeting, which is an annual meeting in April for the conference in the, the 96 churches. In fact, we have a photo of my family just to let you know that, uh, who, who I belong to. That's my uh, uh, crew. Cheryl and I uh, have three children. Cheryl was here for the first service and is now um, with two of our kids for lunch down in Newton. Uh, two of our kids live in Newton and the third in Kansas City. And then we have 10 grandchildren. Um, the oldest are racing toward 17 years old, the oldest two grandkids, and so, uh, which is really weird because I'm only like 35 years old, and uh, you know, life just keeps going. So, um, over the past 38 years, actually, uh, Cheryl and I have served churches, established churches, and then started new churches um, in California and in Minnesota, where I grew up, and also in Kansas, where we have spent most of our ministry. Uh, we recently, just six weeks ago, we moved from El Dorado, where we had lived for 20 years after planting a church there, uh, to Omaha for, um, for, the, uh, for the role that I'm now serving in. And uh, it's just, it's sort of weird, because this feels like home, uh, and yet now, this afternoon, we'll drive back to Omaha, where we are still unpacking, actually. So, uh, God is good. We're so grateful that uh, each new season of life brings new opportunities and new challenges. So thanks for the warm welcome today. Uh, God, real, real quickly, I'll give you, if you're not familiar kind of with the Midwest Conference, um, I'll give you, a, I'll give you the, the two-minute overview. One is uh, we have 96 churches, as John mentioned. They are across five states. We also have 
Wyoming, which is um, part of our territory. We used to have a couple of churches there and, and praying for that, that God might raise up a couple of churches in the future. But that's our geography, 156 uh, credentialed clergy, pastors, uh, youth pastors, chaplains um, that, that we seek to encourage and partner with. Um, but we also realize that there are hundreds of leaders in our churches that are not credentialed pastors that really do so much of the ministry that God has gifted and called. And so thank you for being uh, many of those leaders as well. Uh, we have a couple things that I'm pretty excited about. We have two brand new churches that are starting this year. One of them in Olathe, Kansas, which did its launch just a, a month ago. And this is a, a, a wonderful group of people that is off to a very strong start uh, under the, the leadership of Reed Kappel. Pastor Reed uh, is doing a great job. And then Pastor Desmond in Omaha is uh, gathering uh, people as we speak for a new church in that community. And this is actually pretty exciting because it's, it's one of the very few truly multi-ethnic congregations in Omaha that, um, that God is putting together. So pray for these new ministries as we uh, support them and, and encourage them. Uh, we, we have a lot of things that we, we celebrate together as a, a group of churches. One uh, is a conference or a youth ministry. We had a, a, a retreat just a couple weeks ago or a week and a, week and a half ago that, that was up at Covenant Cedars Bible Camp. A large group of, of middle schoolers that um, uh, some real impactful kinds of connection with God were made during that time. And I know there's a high school retreat similarly coming up, uh, I think, next weekend. So I'll be praying for uh, Jim Eaton, who some of you know Jim is our, our part-time youth director uh, in the conference as well as a pastor, and we're just grateful for that. Uh, we also know that Countryside has had a couple, a couple, several students in our Equip Seminary by Extension program, and uh, uh, I know that the first cohort is pretty excited because they are getting ready for graduation in May, and um, we are so grateful for the, uh, the way that God has enabled us to continue to partner to, to just raise up people who are uh, equipped for ministry in the world in which we live and going forward. Well, uh, if you are wondering who the Midwest Conference team is, it's changed a little bit over the last few years, but we have our, our staff uh, team uh, up here, and, and uh, I want to just give you a sense of uh, uh, our newest staff team member is named Reese Skye. She is our new associate superintendent, and we're very excited to uh, partner uh, together in, in helping to serve our churches. And most of our team is actually um, part-time, but we do have some, uh, some, some full-time people as well, uh, Reese and I being, being two of those. So anyway, I don't know if that there or there. Um, we're just really grateful for the way that God uses the gifting of all of uh, his people to, to serve his church and to advance his kingdom. Now, one of the funnest things that I get to do, funnest, is that a word? Uh, one of the most fun things that I get to do as a superintendent is to visit churches like this. It's just really a lot of fun to, to get to know uh, different people, to, to experience the, the, the worshiping communities, to see what God is doing in various places. And, and it's also fun to meet some interesting people. 
Um, one of the most interesting people that I've met in the last few years is named Mary. She's from Iowa. And uh, Mary and her husband love doing, uh, they love traveling, which Cheryl and I do as well. And we actually like the same spots, like the desert southwest, you know, northern New Mexico, southern Utah. And so we, we talk a lot about, when we see them, we talk about places that we've been. Um, but Mary sent me a picture a while back of somebody she met out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. Anybody recognize that face? Harrison Ford. You know, we have been to the same places that this picture was taken and uh, many of the other same places and we never run into anybody and particularly nobody that we would ever know, right? So Mary and her husband, they they run into people like uh, Harrison Ford or this next guy. He looks familiar too, doesn't he? Um, and, and it got me wondering if, if there are others, because I've started talking to people in other churches about people that they've run into or had pictures taken with, and I've got like people who have had their picture taken with Jack Nicholson, a guy a few weeks ago I was talking to in Nebraska sold a car to Jay Leno, and then he got invited out to The Tonight Show, and I'm thinking, this is weird. I wonder if there's some weird covenant connection here, some DNA, something in the water that we drink that attracts stars, and so... I've started asking questions, and, um, and, I've, and I've, I've started collecting pictures, by the way, so send me your pictures of, of yourself with stars, because, like, here's one of our youth ministers, or our, our music worship ministers, anybody know who Mick Fleetwood is, Fleetwood Mac? So there's, there's her with Fleetwood Mac, uh, singer, and, and, and one of our youth pastors, somebody's got to recognize Mr. T. Uh, <laughs> There's a few of us who are old enough to remember Mr. T. Um, your, your children's pastor, Amy, also has a connection here with some uh, renowned football coach, Bill Snyder. And not to be left out, your pastor does have a celebrity connection <laughs> with, with, uh, with this guy who's going to become pretty prominent in the next couple of months. So, um, Cheryl, Cheryl and I... I you know, I, I know John has a bunch of pictures he's going to send me after this, but I really like Santa Claus. So uh, Cheryl and I live a pretty dull life in contrast. Like, we don't run in celebrity circles. Uh, however, I do have one photo that I'll show you in a moment. This, this uh, happened in Wichita not too many years ago. We were eating lunch as we did at Jason's Deli on Rock Road, right? Um, and... We're sitting there, minding our own business, and all of a sudden, Cheryl gets this weird, quizzical look on her face. She said, I think Kirstie Alley just walked in, sat down in the booth behind you. And I said, no. She said, yeah, I'm going to take a picture of you. So as I protest, Cheryl pulls out her cell phone and captures this weird photo of me having lunch with Kirstie Alley. So, so that's my celebrity photo um, that I'll share with you. Celebrities, stars. A few, uh, few months back, Cheryl and I had a couple of nights at home, and, and we, we watched a few episodes of Jerry Seinfeld's show, his Netflix show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And you know what the show's about? Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. That's the premise of the show. He picks up, Seinfeld will pick up a, a, a well-known celebrity they will drive to a coffee shop or a diner in an interesting vehicle, and then they'll talk. 
And that's the show. I mean, it's boring stuff. Nobody would even watch this show except what? These are stars and who happen to be maybe driving a million-dollar BMW 507 or 49 Porsche or something. So it's an interesting little premise. But stars enjoy certain privileges, don't they? Uh, there are certain perks, and there's a certain power that comes with stardom. And so I guess it shouldn't surprise us that we as Christ followers, you know, we live in the same world, and it's intriguing to think about stardom as well. Uh, a number of years back, when I was just early on in my ministry as a pastor, uh, a friend of mine and I were actually returning from a pastor's conference in Chicago. We were sitting in the O'Hare airport and waiting for our plane, and we were talking about uh, our, our conversations over the past few days. And he was pretty excited because a denominational leader had encouraged him to consider becoming a church-planting pastor. Neither of us knew what that was at the time. But uh, the other thing that this denominational leader told my friend was that he was a rising star in our denomination. And I've never forgotten that. I thought, that's weird. I've never heard anybody talk about a pastor as a rising star. And it made me uncomfortable, honestly. And I'm not sure why, but it just made me uncomfortable. And it made me a little jealous, too, because I wasn't the rising star. Um, but ever since then, my ears perk up when I hear this stardom language being applied to Christian leaders. Um, like a few years ago, I was at, uh, at a training event, and a colleague of mine, uh, she is a very winsome, gifted leader. She was doing a piece of this training for other pastors that we were involved in. And when she had finished this part of the training, um, I was sitting at a table with a couple other colleagues, and one of my colleagues leans to another and says, Wow, she's a rock star. Rock star. Our scripture today from Philippians chapter 2 has some things to say about star quality. Listen to these verses from Philippians 2 verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. I love this scripture. It's always been a favorite chapter of mine. I've been drawn to it numerous year, times over the years, but um, in recent days, over the last few years, this passage has taken on some new contours for me, some new, some new power maybe, because um, we, we all know we live in a broken world, right? And I've known that since I was a young child. Um, but lately it seems like the whole world has sort of gone into a tailspin. The whole world is on fire. And I'm not naive. I know it's, it's always been a broken world. Um, it's always had its fracture points around politics, social issues, all kinds of places. But the pandemic years and, and the years that have um, followed seem to continue to give us new opportunities to fracture and fragment as people, don't, don't they? Just to, to, to divide over everything possible. Uh, whether it's racial issues, whether it's the Middle East conflict currently going on, whether it's immigration, um, the Supreme Court, human sexuality, and we could go on and on and on about 
things that we could divide over and fracture over and do. Any of you C.S. Lewis fans? Um, Yeah. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a book many years ago called The Great Divorce, and in it, he paints a picture of what I think Paul is referring to when Paul talks about this crooked and depraved generation here in Philippians 2. Um, C.S. Lewis paints a picture of Greytown, and Greytown is a place apart from God where people can be their own gods. Uh, It's a place where you can get whatever you want whenever you want it. Sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? In Greytown, everybody gets their way and nobody gets along with each other. That's okay, though. In Greytown, there is plenty of space for people to run to their own corners, and they do. Uh, Driven by fear, driven by insecurity, driven by contempt for each other, the people of Greytown move farther and farther and farther away from each other until thousands and millions of miles literally separate neighbor from neighbor. In fact, if you read The Great Divorce, every now and then you'll see this little image um, of of a little dot of light on the horizon that one neighbor is looking at another neighbor's light millions of miles in the distance. That's how separated everybody is. And it often feels like a similar impulse is at work in our own world today, doesn't it? Our own dark fears, amplified and accelerated by media echo chambers, encourage each of us to run to our own corners where we can be outraged with other people who share our particular view of reality on any topic. If you harbor resentment toward a a particular group of people, there's a corner for you. If you have a particular angle on, on a conflict of the day, there's a corner for you. If you believe that um, the, the horrendous conflict going on in Gaza as we speak is, is the responsibility of the Israelis, there's a corner for you. If you believe the conflict is, is the responsibility of, of Palestinians, there's a corner for you. We are a people who have spent the past few years running to our corners even in the church. And so, we understand when people we love or our children, people who are looking for hope, look at us churchgoers today and say, I don't think I want to run to those corners. I don't want to run to your corner." any of you have any people that you are praying for that, that they'll come to the hope of Jesus? I mean, um, neighbors maybe? Maybe they're old-time friends. Maybe they're your own children or grandchildren. That's where I'm praying right now is for my grandchildren, that they will grow up knowing the hope of Jesus, knowing their identity in Jesus. Um, but, you know, sometimes people look at, at the church today And they say, I don't know if I want to run to the corners that those church people are running to. What does it mean to shine like stars as we hold out the word of life, as Paul's talking about? Well, let's go back to the beginning of of chapter 2 of Philippians, because uh, Paul says some other things that are very, very helpful. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... 
Consider others better than yourselves. He says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Some of you might remember the story of Verda Teta, who was a 17-year-old just two years ago, who graduated from high school in 2021, and uh, Verda had been accepted to Harvard University. Now, you think, okay, she's going to Harvard, she must have grown up in a life of privilege or had great connections. Well, that wasn't true of any of it, you know. Uh, Verda grew up in a a very working-class family who was from Ghana. She herself was working at a grocery store, um, but she had won this wonderful opportunity to attend Harvard. Uh, And during her high school graduation, Verda turned down a $40,000 scholarship that had been granted to her, and she asked that that money be given to someone heading to community college. Now think about this. You're 17 years old. You're going to Harvard. You've got a full-ride scholarship, and you have another $40,000 gift that has come your way. Any of you think about ways you could spend that $40,000 as you're heading off to college? I sure, you know, my imagination is running wild. Um, But Verda chose to reject it so that it could be given to somebody who needed it more than she did. She knew that many of her classmates were from economically challenged homes. She didn't look just to her own interests, but to the interests of others. Now, the media picked up this story and repeated it widely. Why do you think that was? Verda had a different kind of star quality, didn't she? I mean, it just stood out. There was something very unique about what she did. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, with great power and privilege, right, did not consider equality with God something to be held tightly to but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And Jesus humbled himself even to death on a cross. There is a lot of gray town around us today. Um, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have run to our own corners. This good and beautiful creation, and it is a good and beautiful creation, is broken. But there's good news. Jesus invites us to be united with him. As we talk about Christ living in me, as we sing about that, it's really an invitation to the cross, to embracing a new identity that begins at the cross. And that's what Philippians 2 is all about. It's being invited away from the corners that we have run to, being called out of those far corners of Greytown to join Jesus and to join each other at the cross. To be united at his people at the cross. And it's not easy to let go of the identities. It's not easy to let go of the beliefs that have defined us as we've run to those corners, by the way. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, talks about what Jesus did on the cross, right? 
And he says that on the cross, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. Uh, And I know that there are powers and authorities that continue to grip our hearts, that continue to grip our minds, because I can feel those powers and authorities whenever I hear certain people talk. Maybe maybe you can relate this. Don't name any names. Um, but sometimes I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll hear something on the radio or I'll hear something on the television and I, I can just feel those powers and authorities rising within me. Or I'm driving down the road and I'm seeing a, a certain flag or a certain banner uh, being flown or certain, you know, certain uh, words printed on the side of a building and I can just feel those powers and authorities rising in me. Um, or I'm scrolling on the newsfeed on my phone and I can feel those powers and authorities luring me back into the corners where I can be outraged with my group of people at everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? That's the world we live in. Nobody likes living in Greytown, by the way. If you read The Great Divorce, you'll realize that Greytown is C.S. Lewis's way of de- depicting hell. And there's a lot of people who have stepped away from the church today. The church has a lot of headwinds in our culture today. Because some people see the church as part of the problem, not part of the answer. And maybe it's because we've sometimes gotten too distracted with the wrong kind of stardom. You know, our our neighbors and our children, if you have children or grandchildren, if if you have grandchildren, um, people today are not looking for superstar pastors. That's not really what they're looking for when they are hungering for a church home. There's, there, there are people on search committees that are looking for superstar pastors. Uh, and I, I, I get to work with a lot of churches who are in pastoral call, and I, and I really have tried to tell them, you know, you can call, you can call a great superstar pastor, but she's not going to fix the church. She's not going to be the solution. He's not going to be the solution. Our neighbors aren't looking for churches that are building some empire in some corner of Greytown. It's not what people want. That's not what Jesus designed the church to be. They're looking for stars that shine with hope. People are looking for stars that embody Jesus. Galatians 2 verse 20 reminds us, uh, Jesus said, or Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Um, Imagine the encouragement that comes when we let the crucified and risen Lord Jesus set us free from all of these various corners that we have run to. When we are released from those false identities and come to the cross, when we look not to our own interests that drive us again further away from each other, but come together looking to the interests of others, even the interests of those who have come from other corners of Greytown. And it isn't easy. I'm not going to pretend 
that following Jesus in the world today is easy. We won't get it perfect, but my prayer is that we will invite the Holy Spirit to continue to form us with the star quality that comes only from Jesus. It is such a compelling, compelling thing in our world today to reflect the one who gave himself so that we could come together in a new life to know his joy, to know his healing, to know his salvation. And as we are reconciled at the cross to each other, we are also reconciled at the cross to our God who invites us home. My prayer is that countryside and all of the churches who bear the name of Jesus will be places that shine brightly with the light of Christ that we might shine as stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your powerful work of reconciliation. For your invitation, God, that calls us from our corners back to the center of who you have called us to be and as children who bear the image of God. And Lord, I pray that you would make your church a bright star of hope in this world, that people would see you shining through your people and give glory to our Father in heaven, that your kingdom, God, would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.